0: Good morning, everyone. I was asking Dave if I had been here before, and uh, uh, the answer is yes, I have. Uh, It's just uh, the ceilings were much higher, and I think that's why it looked different. I I didn't recognize the the front. So it's good to be here um, with you uh, today. Um, It was a nice drive uh, out this way, and... uh, I was uh, glad when uh, Pastor John from Tilsonburg um, asked if I'd be willing to come here again and, and share. Uh, and so um, I always look forward to that coming to Milverton, uh, even though it is uh, kind of uh, far between from one time to the next. So, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm glad to be here with you. Um, like the bulletin says, uh, I'm John Peters. Many of you I don't know. Um, uh, sh- my wife Sherry and I, we are an elder couple there in the Tilsonburg. Um, uh, in that church, at Beacon Bible Chapel. And, um, and so uh, before we begin with the message, would you just pray together with me? Heavenly Father, we uh, just come before you this morning, uh, and I just want to pray for uh, your guidance um, upon this service. Um, I pray that you would simply use me as a vessel uh, to share your word um, with the people. And so, Lord, would you uh, just uh, guide us um, uh, and lead me by your Spirit, and, uh, and that only that which you want to say um, would be here, and that uh, your name would be lifted up so that many would be drawn to you and not to man. In Jesus' name, amen. The, the message uh, title um, that I would like to share with you today is uh, I've, I've entitled it, What is in Your Hand? Um, you know, uh, at this time of year, especially around the new year, uh, when we approach Christmas, uh, many companies, they take inventory of, um, of what sort of stuff, what, uh, of what they have left from the previous year. And, uh, and so when I think about taking inventory, um, obviously, you, you get an understanding of the things that, uh, that you have you get a clearer image of the things that you are dealing with um, in, in business. And uh, I would like to take that thought and uh, apply that to our lives. Uh, and the example that we want to kind of look at and then um, ask some questions from uh, this man's life is Moses. Uh, you will recall, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, let's turn to the book of Exodus um, in chapter 2. I just want to briefly give you a little bit of background of uh, who we have here and what's going on. So we're looking at Moses and uh, we know that uh, he is raised in Egypt uh, in, in the house of Pharaoh and uh, the time comes where uh, we know the story of where he sees an Egyptian uh, beating on one of his own people and uh, he ends up murdering uh, this Egyptian. And, and because of that violent incident, uh, he ends up fleeing because his life is now also in danger uh, because of what he has done. And so he flees Egypt and he uh, flees to Midian. And, uh, and so we, we read that in Exodus chapter 2. And while he's in Midian, uh, we find out that he becomes a shepherd. Um, he, he gets married and his father-in-law, Jethro... Uh, has many sheep. And so he is uh, a shepherd there in the wilderness. And, uh, and as the years go by, uh, we catch up with him when he is probably around 80 years old. And um, in, in chapter 3, um, we have this conversation uh, between God and, uh, and Moses. That is, that is where God reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush. Uh, most of you will have, from one time or another, maybe heard of that, uh, of that story, where God reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush, and the conversation that happens after that. There's a conversation between Moses and between God, and, uh, and that, that's all of chapter 3. And, um, and then in this conversation, we have God uh, asking Moses, telling him that he wants to use him uh, to deliver his people, God tells Moses that he, he is aware of the cry of the people who have been in slavery for 400 years. And, and so here God is revealing himself to Moses uh, through the burning bush and then the, the conversation that happens. And, uh, and, and that's where Moses gets the call from God to be the deliverer uh, of, of his people. And, uh, and what do we notice from Moses? When God gives the call to Moses, one of the first things he says is, who am I that I should go? And maybe some of you have uh, had similar questions. Maybe, maybe you've been asked to be a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it's at your job. You've been asked to take on extra responsibility or uh, whatever the case may be. Um, it, it could be anything. For each one of you, it might be something different. But you may have had the opportunity to ask that question, who am I that I should would be able to do that. Um, So you don't see yourself as being very capable, maybe. But what does God say to him when Moses says that? I will certainly be with you. And uh, one thing I want to draw from that is, so often when God asks something of us, it's not so much about me as it is about God, who is the one that's doing the asking. Um, But we have sometimes trouble seeing that, right? We look at ourselves, and what are my abilities? And so Moses says there, who am I that I should go? So he's focused on himself. And then second, he says, what am I supposed to say when they ask me what your name is? And so again, another excuse, I don't know what to say. And uh, God tells him, I am who I am. And, uh, and as that conversation continues, God lays out the plan uh, that he has for Moses uh, to the end of chapter 3. And then in chapter 4, we want to read some verses there. And this is where that title comes in in play. So chapter 4, starting at verse 1, we read, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Verse 2, So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, cast it to the ground. So he cast it to the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take, it up, and take it up by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you that far. So what was that all about? Um, Moses continually came up with an excuse as to why he wasn't fit to go. And God continually uh, reminded him that I will be with you. It's not so much about you as it is about me. So in this particular interaction here between Moses and God, God in a way offers uh, to Moses to become a minister of reconciliation. We know that God's plan of reconciliation for us, right, to send Jesus Christ uh, uh, to die for our sins so that we could be saved. That, that's the ministry of reconciliation. And God, in a way, offers it to Moses to be the reconciler of uh, the nation of Israel. And, um, and he doesn't want it. Moses launches his first excuse when he says, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And God has an answer for that. But so what? What's that got to do with you? Well, maybe God has an opportunity for you. And I think about these types of things, especially when, we're, when we switch from the old year to the new year. You know, we look back, and many of you have probably looked back at 2016 and have probably thought, To yourself that, oh, you would like to make some changes. Maybe you want to go on a diet. Maybe you want to do this or do that in 2017. You want 2017 to be better. And and so how does that uh, pertain to you? And and that, I would say, is what is God calling you to do? Maybe right now uh, it's not clear, but maybe for some of you uh, there is something clear. And and then when I say that, I don't mean just is God calling you something to do in the church? What about uh, at your workplace? What about you as a mom at home? Uh, or as a dad at home? Uh, our life does not, is not just made up of church. As a Christian, we are not just a Christian in church. But we are a Christian in our workplaces. We are a Christian at home. As a mom and as a dad dealing with sick children. Um, and so in all of that... I believe God has a purpose. And so the question I would like for you to think about is, uh, first of all, is God calling me to something? Is he, me, is he showing me something? And then secondly, if he is, what do you need to do to fall in line with that call? Um, you know, I, I have not considered it a call by, uh, at this time, but uh, my wife and I, uh, we're making some big uh, a big change for 2017. And and you know what? It, it all started the week before Christmas. And the week between Christmas and New Year's, uh, everything just kind of changed. So w- we have a house. We've lived there for just about nine years. You know, you, you bought a bunch of things. It's amazing how much stuff you collect when you live in a house for nine years. Um, and now we're selling all that and then moving into a two-bedroom apartment right in, in the middle of Elmer. And... And that's not because we see that as a, a way to move up in life. But, uh, you know, some opportunities were presented. I guess we're moving up to the third floor, but beyond that, uh, we're not moving up. Uh, a lot of people may look at uh, selling your house and getting rid of so, many, uh, so much of your possessions as going backwards in our society. But uh, there's a program that's g- going to be happening through the apartments that we're we'll moving into, Uh, There will be people living there that need help, some accountability and encouragement. And then the other side of it is they want to put uh, people in there that are going to be intentional neighbors that will come alongside these people that need help and uh, encourage them and hold them accountable to some things so that they can build a better foundation for their lives. So that's a ministry that kind of opened up, and uh, and and we've applied to uh, help out there. But it requires us to move. And, you know, it's difficult, you know, to sell your house. Uh, Sherry has done a good job at kind of keeping track of what, um, how much stuff we're getting rid of. And uh, yesterday afternoon, we reached the the thousand, you know, thousand items that we've gotten rid of. A one item could be a CD, it could be a shirt, it could be a pair of pants, a pair of socks. So each one of those things is one item. And so we're at a thousand items. And so we decided once we hit that point, we're going to go out and celebrate and go for supper. And so we did that. Uh, but, you know, getting rid of stuff that we've accumulated, it, it's sometimes hard, especially when you start to handle it and it's like, oh, this is, I like this. And it's especially harder for me than it is for Sherry. But, and so that's something that has just come together, not because we were necessarily looking for it, um, but we see that God's hand is involved in it. Um, and we want to be faithful and, and, and do that. And for you, it may be something different. But So what is God putting in in your life? What is he calling you to? Um, And the example that we have here of Moses is that we are often tempted to make excuses as to why we can't, why we shouldn't. And so this ministry of reconciliation that was entrusted to Moses has also been given to us. And the way that works out in your life, the way you use this ministry that has been given to you is going to look different. Um, it could be as a family, you as a mom with your children, or as a dad with your children. And so this ministry of reconciliation, we find it in 2 Corinthians 5:18 and 19, which says, "All this is from God, who through Christ, who through Christ, reconciled us to Himself." and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So, if you are a Christian, then God has revealed this ministry or this message of reconciliation to you, Jesus coming down, dying for our sins, and through that we have eternal life. That is reconciliation, and there are many people today who don't know about it and uh, who need to be saved. And so it's not just the pastor that has that type of ministry or, or an elder, it is it is the supervisor at work, the welder at work, the teacher at school. Um, we as believers have been entrusted with this. <clears throat> so we have this. It's not in. It's important to understand that, the, that how that works itself out in my life and in your life uh, may look different. And, uh, and you may need to ask yourself some questions. What would that look like in my life for God to, to use me to bring that ministry of reconciliation to other people? How would, how would I do it? Uh, Moses was called to bring his people out of Egypt. And so isn't this where we uh, have often found ourselves in the same spot as Moses, that when uh, a question comes, we are tempted to give an excuse? And uh, it would be up to you to come up with the examples, and maybe in your own life, of maybe when a call has come to you, where you have been tempted to give an excuse, or maybe you have. And we pray about it, and we may talk to other people about it, And everything may look good, but even then, sometimes we are um, tempted to come up with an excuse and we say, but, or what if. You know, those two little things, the the word but, or uh, the two words, what if, they, they so often keep us maybe from something that God wants us to do. And it's important to understand and to obviously search it out to make sure that it is God, These kind of responses are an indication that there may be a lack of faith, uh, that there's fear, and a lack of courage. But there's good news in that God God doesn't give up on us. He hasn't given up. Just like he did on Moses. How many of you would have lost your patience with Moses with all the excuses that he came? I mean, some of us would. Uh, Just, okay, forget about you, I'm going to go find somebody else. But God didn't do that. Uh, And so we live in a world that is full of people who are lost, hurting, uh, confused, and who need direction. And so what does that have to do with what is in your hand? And that's where I want to, to take you. So like Moses, we also have a calling. And maybe you have been presented with opportunities in the past, and all of us will have opportunities probably sometime in the future. And so, uh, what is God calling you to? Maybe, maybe you don't know. Maybe there's nothing clear. Uh, and so then you ask. And so with that in mind, I'd like to consider three things, um, three different points of what we see happening between Moses and God. The first point is to take inventory. You know, we've had to take, take a lot of inventory over the last couple of weeks as to what we have in our house, what's important, what isn't that important, and what, what needs to go. Um, but that's not just with physical things. Also in our spiritual life, take inventory uh, with where that is at. And so to take inventory, that simply means that you come to a realization or recognition of what you have. And I would like for you to think about it in terms of what is in your hand, because we use our hands to, to work. Uh, our hands are kind of a symbol of uh, getting stuff done. <clears throat> in Exodus 4, verse 2, we read, So the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? And Moses answered, A rod. Uh, you think God didn't know what was in Moses' hand? I'm pretty sure God knew all along. Uh, we, we, we hear the same thing in Genesis at the beginning when Adam hid himself after they sinned, and God asked uh, Adam, where are you? Do you, uh, you think God didn't know where Adam was? I think, of course he did. But it, but it is important for us to admit. Uh, like Isaac was saying before, you know, t- to bring it to the light. Um, there's, there's freedom and there's power in that because then we, it becomes personal to us. And so when, um, when God asked Moses, what is in your hand? The, the, the logical step would be for Moses to, to consider, oh, it's, it's a stick, it's a rod, that's what's in my hand. Without that question, he probably wouldn't have even given a second thought. And so, what is in your hand? Um, and God never asks us questions that he doesn't already know the answer to. See, Moses was a shepherd, and the most common tool uh, of a shepherd was his rod and his staff, those were the two common tools that a shepherd used to get the job done. So was there any significance to this stick? Um, we're going to look at that a little bit. And I would say that, yes, there is a lot of significance uh, to it. This rod was not magical by any means. It wasn't any kind of uh, powerful stick. It was just an ordinary stick that, that he used for, for his job. And so in this, I came across an article um, I think all of you are probably familiar with Psalm 23, which is about the shepherd. Um, and, uh, and there was a shepherd in, in, in real life. He had taken a look at this psalm and had written uh, a book about uh, how so many of the things that are mentioned in Psalm 23 are actually practical things in, in real life in shepherding. And so um, just listen to this paragraph taken out of that book. In the Middle East... The shepherd carries only a rod and staff. Some of my most vivid boyhood recollections are those of watching the African herdsmen shepherding their stock uh, with only a long slender stick and a rough uh, knob curry in their their hands. These were the common and universal equipment of the primitive sheepmen. Each shepherd boy, from the time that he starts uh, to tend his father's flock, takes special pride in the selection of a rod and staff exactly suited to his own size and strength. He goes into the bush and selects a young sapling uh, which is dug from the ground. This is carved and whittled down with great care and patience. The enlarged base of the sapling uh, where its trunk joins the roots is shaped into a smooth rounded head uh, of hard wood. The sapling itself is shaped to exactly fit the owner's hand. After he completes it, the shepherd boy spends hours practicing with the club, learning how to throw it uh, with amazing speed and accuracy. It becomes his main weapon of defense for both himself and his sheep. The rod, in fact, was an extension of the owner's own right arm. It stood as a symbol of strength, his power, his authority, and any serious situation. So that's a shepherd's tool, the knob, the... Knot, the the staff. So I would say that the rod had a lot of significance to Moses. He knew exactly what he had in his hand. It wasn't just any ordinary stick for him, it was important. So it was a tool of his trade, it provided safety for him and his flock, and it was a tool to correct, restore uh, a wandering or rebellious sheep. So like Moses, we also hold something in our hands today. And some of those things are good and some of those things are bad. And so when you think about that, not what you are holding in your hands right now, maybe your phone, your Bible, uh, something else, not, not just this morning, but when you think about what is in your hand, what, what has God entrusted you with? Is it maybe a position in the church uh, to teach? Is it uh, uh, a particular position at your workplace? where you have an influence. Maybe, you're, uh, maybe you're, uh, um, you have your own business in construction. Maybe it's your enclosed trailer and your tools. God has entrusted you with that. That's, that makes up you. That's your tools of the trade, whatever you're doing. And so with that, they may be good, they may be bad. But take inventory of what is in your hand. Some of the things that are possibly holding, that we are holding in our hands today, um, are the past. So many people don't move forward in life because they're hindered by their past and they're just holding on to it. Uh, that's what they're dealing with. That's what's in their hand is their past and they can't get over it. What about some sin? You can't, you can't um, if God asks you what's in your hand, what, what defines you? You may have to admit that it's some kind of sin that prevents you from moving forward. Uh, Maybe it's hard feelings over other people or things or what they have said. Maybe it's unforgiveness or feelings of inadequacy that you're not good enough. Or maybe it's talents, uh, a career, some kind of a job or a business. So there are various things that when we think about it that we are holding in our hands that could prevent us that could prevent us from being useful to God. And that's what it's about. It's not about me. What, what do I have that God could use for the, the glory of his kingdom um, to spread the good news? And some of those things may be good, and some of those things, they may be in, in our way and that God is not able to use us. So we come to depend on the things that we hold in our hands and we may even think that we can't live without them. They may, be, they may become a, a very important part of our lives. You know, just like some of the stuff that we've been getting rid of in our house, uh, when you first take it for the purpose of putting it into the bin that's supposed to go to the thrift store or something else, uh, some of the thoughts that come by and say, ah, I, don't know if I, I, I don't know if I can live without this. And th- the reality is that we can, but we, we grow attached to the things that, that we hold. So take inventory of, of what defines you, uh, of what you're doing um, that may be hindering uh, your, I guess, your purpose for God or what he could use. The second point that I would like for us to consider is to release. First, take inventory to realize what's there. The second thing is to release, which is to let go of whatever is in your hand, and commit it to God. In Exodus 4.3, God says to Moses, And he said, cast it to the ground. So he cast it to the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. So first God asks Moses, what is in your hand? The second uh, instruction is to throw it to the ground. And Moses is obedient, and he does it. And uh, something amazing happens when when Moses is obedient. God tells Moses to throw the rod to the ground and something that was dead comes alive. An amazing transformation happens. It turns into a snake, no less. The very thing that Moses would have used the rod on, that's what it turns into. I found that kind of interesting when I uh, thought about that. Um, The very thing that Moses kept the rod for that's what it turned into. And I wonder if sometimes we have something that we are hanging on to so much that we're hanging on to it, the very thing we're hanging on to actually becomes the curse to us. And, and it's the very thing that we hang on to that prevents us from moving forward. And, um, and as God gives instruction to cast it to the ground, Moses is obedient and he does it. And, it, um, and God's power... Is, is realized or is seen in that act. It reminds me uh, also of the times that, um, you know, Moses sees the snake forming from the stick he just had, and he runs away. Uh, sometimes we may become a little bit childish when God asks us to give something up. We may pout about it. We may complain about it. Um, have you ever seen a, a mom or a dad... Uh, make their child give up a toy maybe there's two children fighting over a toy they want this, there's only one toy but there's two children and, and they can't both play with it and so maybe a parent takes it away from their child and gives it to a different child and what is the response of the child sometimes is they complain they cry and they run away and, and then you have to go and make it better um, sometimes I think we are like that when God asks us to give something up we, we run away and, and we, we pout and, uh, but I'm not sure how inclined God is to come and fix it. Um, and we have to come to our own realization. But God instructs Moses to, to pick it up. And, uh, and something happens. Um, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, when you're thinking about the things that define you as a person... The things that you have in your hand, if God asks you to give it up, uh, how would you respond? In uh, Romans twelve one and two, we we read, "I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good." An acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, notice, notice the the movement there, uh, to give up, to uh, sacrifice to God, to commit to God, and uh, and not to be conformed to this world, and and then also uh, to be renewed in your mind. That you may be prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I believe that. Very often when God asks us to give up something, a greater revelation of God is simply on the other side of being obedient. If we want to get to know God more, if he asks you to give something up, uh, if you refuse, uh, it'll be like building a wall. But if you are obedient in doing it, uh, the next thing you may realize is a greater revelation of who God is. So do you want to experience God? God. Uh, Or do you want to just rely on your own uh, talents or gifts that is in your hand? Um, In the obedience, there is a transformation that happens. Do you want to experience that? Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, so Paul let go of everything. Um, I mean, as you read through the letters that Paul wrote, uh, he gives an account of all of the things that he possessed. You get a good picture of who Paul was, the things that he had, the education, um, and he says that he let all of that go uh, for the excellency of knowing Christ. And uh, and I think we may have to do that too. And I think it's important to remember. God may not ask you to give something up once you realize what's in your hand. But he may. And so what, what will you do? And, that, and that's where the, just the humility, uh, the importance of humility comes in. If God asks you to, then, to, then to do it. So after Moses identified what was in his hand, and after he was obedient to the instruction to cast it to the ground, um, God says, says to Moses, now pick it up. In uh, verse 4 of Exodus chapter 4, we read this. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and he caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. Um, I particularly love that verse because it tells me that Whatever I have, if I, uh, it may not always be the case, but if God asks me to give something up, if I am obedient in giving it up, he may very well put it back in my hand, but not for my own use. It has, now it has a greater purpose. It is now something that God can use. Now, it, now I'm not the owner of it. I'm just the steward of it. Um, and I think that's important. And I think uh, very often that's what God wants from us, to realize that he is the ultimate provider. He is the creator. Uh, it's not about me, but it's about him. And, uh, and if we don't realize it, we, we miss out on things. Um, after the surrender, God gives clear instruction for the next step, which results in another amazing transformation. Now, how many of you have ever, uh, anybody here ever picked up a snake? A live one? Uh, there's a few daring folks. (laughs) Now, I'm not sure how you've picked it up, uh, or I'm not, I'm by no means an expert in snakes. Um, Not even close. But from some things I've heard and read, um, that when you pick up a snake, you're supposed to pick it up uh, right behind the head rather than the tail. Uh, And the reason for that is that if you pick up snake by the tail, I mean, all its power is still in its body. It could swing around and bite you. The, the dangerous part is still active. You're just grabbing it by the tail. Um, and so, so I have no idea if that's legit, uh, but you're supposed to pick it up by the head so that it can't bite you. But God tells Moses to pick it up by the tail. Um, and when I, when I read that, I was like, well, isn't that kind of dangerous? And, and, and I think we would all agree that, yeah, of course it's dangerous. The snake could swing around and bite him. But that to me, uh, again, just communicates of God's faithfulness. That he may, he may ask us to take on something that, as we look at it, may appear dangerous. It may appear like there's no way in the world I can do it. But if God tells us to do it, um, as he said with Moses beforehand, who am I that I should go? And what was God's response? I will be with you every step of the way. Uh, and I think that is hugely important. So if this is the case, um, God's instruction for Moses to pick it up by the tail is not logical at all. Uh, And we often think that when God asks us to surrender something, that it's going to be gone forever. Uh, I don't know what Moses thought when God asked him to throw the rod down. He He may have thought that, okay, that's it. It's not mine. But the instruction came after immediately to pick it up again. Often, what is asked of us is not so much giving away or getting rid of, but rather surrendering control of. Uh, And I think that's something that we are sometimes in danger in, of we're afraid that if God asks us to get rid of something, that we're never, then that's it. We're never going to have it again. But I think so often it may simply be uh, more of God is asking for control, that we are not the owners but the stewards. It means that we take care of, that it belongs to Him, and then God is able to use it. In Exodus 4, uh, verse 5, we read, um, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. That is the reason for that sign, uh, because Moses' fear was, well, what if... What if they say that you have not appeared to me? What if they... You have know, all these excuses. And so one of God graciously gives Moses a sign. Well, if they don't believe you, then this is what you should do. Throw your stick to the ground, it's going to become a snake, and pick it up again by the tail, and then it's going to become a stick again. That was supposed to be a sign to the people that not just any ordinary person does that, this is of God. And, uh, and you may very well find too, that when, after you have taken inventory and after you have released and God has asked you to maybe pick it up again and use, use it in a different way, maybe it's your business. Maybe it's uh, how you do your job at work. Maybe it's how you deal with your children at home as a, as a dad or a mom. Uh, how you clean the church. How you uh, shovel somebody's driveway. How you do it may change after you commit it to God. But it is there where you will uh, get a greater realization of who God is. And, uh, and you may be able to say afterwards, uh, like Exodus four, seventeen and 20. I, I love those two verses. And I just want to share those two verses with you in closing. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do signs, or do the signs. You notice God has placed an importance on this rod. And you shall take this rod with you, or in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. And then in verse 20, Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Notice how before, when God asked Moses, What is in your hand? it was just a rod. It was Moses' rod. But now, after that encounter, uh, the Bible tells us that he took the rod of God and he took his family and he went. And, and just consider the signs that Moses did in Egypt uh, before Pharaoh let the people go. Consider the signs that he did with, the, with this rod. I mean, he, he stuck it out over the Red Sea, and the sea parted that the Israelites were able to go through. I mean, th- there's just so many things that God did through Moses after this. And, and so and the question, I think, is before us, just like now we may not be parting Red Seas, we may not be uh, delivering a people out of Egypt, but in our own way, God, uh, if, if the Bible is true, then God has a purpose for us. And so in in your own way, uh, what is in your hand? Is God asking you to surrender it? And can God use that uh, to do great things, uh, not, well, first of all, in you, but then also through you? It's not necessarily for you, but it's in you and through you for him, for his glory. Because uh, this life that we live, it's not about me. um, It's about God. Our our ultimate citizenship is in heaven, and so and that's what we were building. And so I would just uh, encourage you, um, as you start twenty seventeen, uh, to consider uh, what what it is that defines you, and uh, and see how God could use you in in this year, wherever God has placed you. and, and when the call comes to do something totally different. Um, you, it's natural to be kind of scared and afraid of it. But, you know, being scared and afraid of something is, that's okay. That's not, that's not wrong. But then be, to be courageous enough to, to keep going. And God, uh, if it's God calling you, he will be with you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for... Um, the work that you have done uh, for how you released glory in heaven uh, to come to earth and, uh, and go through the things you did for our sake, that salvation could be given to all men. So I pray that uh, your sacrifice would encourage us. I pray that we would use that as an example, the story of Moses and how scared he was, the excuses he had, Lord, I believe we can use that as, as an example for us as well, that you are uh, ultimately in control, uh, you are, have promised to go with us. And so I pray that we would uh, just uh, tune our lives so that it would be in tune with uh, your call, that we would walk worthy of the calling that we have. And so I pray for a special blessing to be upon each family and each individual that is here, uh, that you would give them clarity, clarity of vision, and, and also the call that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen.